2: The Knicks are an embarrassment. I mean, we know this already, and this might be... Where are we at here? It's November. Uh, What is the date exactly? It's November 10th. This might be the last time, and this is sad, because last year we had some fun beginning of the year before we realized the Knicks were trash. I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but... We had some fun talking about them. Certainly two years ago was great because we were able to talk about the Knicks all year long, react to their games, and it was fun, finishing with the fourth seed, whatever. But this might be the last time that I open a show with the Knicks. We got plenty of baseball to get to, and I want to get to the Yankees, who seem scared. Brian Cashman is scared right now of losing Aaron Judge, which seems like a realistic possibility. We'll get to the Mets and what they're going to do with the DH spot, and they continue to annoy you with the things that they're saying and doing. And I did forget Darren Ruff; I guess was under contract still, which is just—I mean, we could do a whole show on that. But anyway, we'll get to the baseball in a little bit. I do want to start with the Knicks, and they're just—they're so bad. See, this is the problem. Had they lost this game last night to Brooklyn, all right, it happens, frustrating, whatever. But the fact that they get trounced and we're basically down thirty points the majority of the game, or 20-plus points the majority of the game, no effort whatsoever, they can't shoot the basketball, they can't score enough, they don't play any defense. This is unacceptable. Why is it so difficult? And, by the way, that's a type of game that gets a coach fired. And the Nets then go able to, you know, the Nets are able to go out there and enjoy themselves and celebrate. And KD talking about he loves beating the Knicks and, you know, blah, 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 blah. The Nets, it's like the Nets brought Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to Brooklyn so they could beat the Knicks. A mission accomplished, I guess. I mean, the the Nets and their fans are taking bows. And look, I get it with the rivalry, but the Nets are taking bows when they are the most embarrassing organization in the sport and maybe in sports currently. At least they left Ime Udoka in Boston, where he belongs. Or at least not coaching. That's where he belongs. Good for them, finally making a right decision, going with Jacques Vaughn, a guy who's earned an opportunity to be a head coach here. Let's see what he could do. Anyway, the Nets and their fans are celebrating, like, beating the Knicks. Oh, never lost to the Knicks. This one, that one. Oh, Kevin Durant only had three losses in his career against the Knicks. Ben Simmons undefeated against the Knicks. Nets have won eight in a row against the Knicks. Guys, you realize the Knicks have been... An embarrassment themselves in a different way for the last two decades? I mean, beating the Knicks is not anything to write home about. I mean, come on. Who doesn't beat the Knicks? And if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on your team, I'd hope you can. Now, I know obviously Kyrie didn't play, but you get the point. You don't need Kyrie Irving. Matter of fact, they've been better without Kyrie Irving. But let's not make it like the Nets have achieved some sort of great accomplishment here. By beating the Knicks, they own the Knicks. Here's how we say it. The Nets own the Knicks, but the Knicks, even in their current state, own the city. And they will always be the story, and they are, you know, aside from wild headlines like we've been seeing with Kyrie Irving and everything else that's gone on with the Nets. The Knicks are the the, the team in town, and we know that. We don't need to go over it again, but they're not any good. They stink, as a matter of fact. I've had it. I've had it with them. How could they not compete in this game? Losing is one thing. Not competing is another. I'm tired of Tibbs, but here's the problem. What's the answer? If it's not Tibbs, a guy who everybody wanted, a Van Gundy disciple, hard-nosed defense, great year, the first year... Finish the fourth seed. Everybody fell in love with Tibbs. Look at this. The magic. Who gets more credit? Julius Randle because of his MVP caliber season, or at least all-star caliber season, or is it Tibbs for the coaching job he's done? Last year, Bloom was off the rose. This year, it's, uh, who's next? And that's not a healthy attitude to have with the constant changeover, but the reality is they're not good enough. You had Jalen Brunson calling out the Knicks' effort after the game, saying, look, we could lose, we could miss shots, we could do this, we could do that. That's you could and that happens. You cannot excuse a lack of effort, which is exactly what happened with the Knicks last night. Can't have that happen. Ever. It's unacceptable. This is on Leon Rose for putting together a another crappy basketball team. It's on the players. Obviously, it's on the head coach, too. Everybody, it's the whole organization. And it's the same thing. It's on repeat with this team. It is on repeat with the Knicks. We know the issues. Hey, well, they fixed one issue by bringing in a point guard, right? How, how many times we talk about that? Oh, they need a point guard, need a point guard. Need a, well, they get a point guard. Guess what? Still not good enough. They can't shoot. They didn't go all in and get the star in Donovan Mitchell. They didn't get Murray, who went to the Hawks and is having a terrific start to his Hawks career. They are an embarrassment. And then, of course, they get pounded again by Brooklyn. They just can't beat this team. Any given night, you know, Brooklyn turns it up. It does say something about the Nets, too, where you know they are capable with their talent any given night. The effort is not consistent enough and hasn't been consistent enough. Obviously, the roster hasn't been consistent enough with guys, you know, with the vaccine last year, guys getting hurt, guys taking off, who doesn't want to play, whatever. But. They, when they turn on, and they do against the Knicks because they know that's the one time they're actually going to get some attention for something that happens on the floor. People care about the Knicks, so then they care about the Knicks-Nets, and the Nets have dominated this matchup. I don't even know if I could call it a rivalry for many reasons. One, it'd be a rivalry if the Knicks were actually good. Two, it'd be a rivalry if people actually, enough people cared about each team, which I don't think is the case. But the Knicks just continue to embarrass themselves. And I don't know, if you're James Dolan, how you can watch that and be okay with it. And then, what is Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau going to say afterward? Well, this is part of it. This happens in the NBA. You can't make excuses for that. one twelve eighty five, and it was worse than that? It felt worse than that. They never had a chance. And the NBA is a game of runs. And especially if you're down very early. All right, hot shooting for the Nets to start. It happens. They pulled away in the first quarter. Law of averages, right? The Knicks will pick it up. The Nets will cool off. And the Knicks maybe will get hot and close the gap and make at least a run. See if they can make this a game going into the, going into halftime or coming out of halftime. But no, they couldn't do that. They did nothing all night. Matter of fact, they got worse. Just a total embarrassment. And like I said, I'm not going to bore everybody with talking about the Knicks and Nets all night. But I did want to react to the one live game in town. And I thought because the fact that Knicks got smoked, that it was worth mentioning that we won't be mentioning them moving forward until they actually do something that makes them relevant. I'm talking about on the floor. I mean, let's hope they don't do something that makes them relevant off the floor as the Nets have become accustomed to doing. The Nets are the team that has a chance. And we know that even with their record being you know, what it was to start the year, the slow start, even what they've gone through, they're the team that has the legitimate chance because they have the talent. The Knicks do not. People want to believe it. They want to buy in. They don't have it. It's just not there. And I don't want to write them off after 11 games, but I'm writing them off. Until they wake up and play consistent basketball, uh, I'm done buying into or caring about this current Knicks team. They are, until proven otherwise, irrelevant. And then maybe we can focus our attention on the Nets to see, once and for all, this group, when Kyrie, assuming he eventually comes back, can this group get it done? Or maybe, you know what, maybe KD doesn't need Kyrie. Maybe they can be better without him. It'd be better off for Durant anyway. I mean, it'd be better for everybody if Kyrie Irving went somewhere else or wasn't allowed back on the team. Don't have to worry about that distraction. Great player, also a big-time problem. And the way the Nets are playing without him, you know, for now at least, you like it. And it's also nice to see KD be the, the the sole guy there. The clear lead. Doesn't need a running partner. See if he could do it on his own. The way that he couldn't in OKC. So that'll be something to keep an eye on here and... I think it's easy to root for Jacques Vaughn as opposed to Ime Udoka. Had he come in, it would have been a lot easier to hate on the Nets. But the fact that they hired Vaughn at least shows you're right. Maybe the Nets are starting to get it as an organization. Whether it's Marks, whether it's Sai, whether somebody got to them, who knows. But clearly they were planning on hiring Ime Udoka, and then they heard the, the blowback and went in the different direction, the right direction. Good for Vaughn to get an opportunity here. Hopefully he makes the most of it. And if he does have that positive attitude and can keep the guys happy and get them playing together as a team, then you know what? It's going to benefit Brooklyn. And we'll see how far they could go. I mean, before you know it, the Knicks will be looking for a head coach. Watch them hire Emei Odoka. Would you be shocked? Put nothing past James Dolan. I mean, I hope that that wouldn't be the case, but you never know. Anyway, you look at the landscape of the Eastern Conference, it's way early to be determining anything. Brooklyn clearly has a legit shot and should be a top-six team. And the Knicks, they're lucky, again, if they hang on and make the playoffs. And what changes are going to come? Are we getting to the point now with this hierarchy, with Rose, with World Wide West, with Tibbs, you know, all the guys that we heard about were going to be big-time difference makers. Here we are years later now, year three, and we're not seeing it. They're better than the 17-win garbage that we've seen, unfortunately, far too often in the last two decades. But they're not really any better. Why waste our time? It's nothing but disappointment. And an effort like that? That's the thing that we loved about this team Two years ago, max effort every night, which makes me think it's not the coach. Now, he may end up paying the price, but it can't be the coach because he was the coach when they were playing hard two years ago and winning. And even in the games that they lost, almost every one of them, they were competitive in, even the ones with Brooklyn. They didn't beat the Nets, but they were in those games. Whether they came back in those games or it was a hard-fought game, they were in them. What has happened? And don't tell me Reggie Bullock. Reggie Bullock can't be that big of a difference. Something has happened to this team in the last two years that they are not the same. Whether it's tuning out, Tibbs, I don't know what's going on there. Maybe personality's not gelling. Remember, they were a fun group. They worked out hard. They worked out together. They couldn't wait to get into the gym. All those good feelings, all the good stories, the hard work, the effort, the results, it was all there. What happened to the New York Knicks? How did they fall apart here? And I hate to pick on them again, but it comes down to me to the same thing that we've been talking about. Two guys with the Knicks, R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. And even on a night where Randall goes four of eight from downtown, he still drives you nuts with the four turnovers and just the sloppy play at times. Doesn't play defense. Those guys are just not good enough. They have occasionally, you know, occasional great performances, but ultimately they're not consistent or good enough. Extremely disappointing. All right, we'll get enough with the basketball. I'll take your calls on it. And I'm sure Nick fans are annoyed. I mean, if you're still listening at this hour, I'm sure Nick fans are annoyed at what went on and embarrassed by what went on. Although I know a lot of the bing-bongers are homers with the Knicks, which is also embarrassing. But I'm sure the Knicks and the Nick fans are annoyed, and they should be. They should be annoyed. It's not good enough. I mean, they could do this without Brunson. So what's the and without extending R.J. Barrett? What, what's the what, what's the big deal then with those guys? This team is supposed to be better. Still waiting for a superstar. Still waiting for these guys to develop. Still waiting for Tibbs to make a big difference outside of that first year. Still waiting for World Wide West to bring in a super, bring in a big player. It's unbelievable how nobody can fix the Knicks. 20 years and counting.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H track, all wheel drive, and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com recommend
2: today. Go for it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. On the fan. When it comes to sports, it's all happening right now football, basketball, hockey, and soon enough, the World Cup. And there's no better place to wager on all of it than Superbook Sports. When you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day, Superbook will give you a bonus up to $1,000. When the sports world is busy, it's time to get busy winning some money. So download the Superbook Sports app or visit Superbook.com to wager and win today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Ah, excuse me. So the... News yesterday, and it's not big time news, but just you know, you hear the GM speak and Epler and Cashman and all. It's always going to be the the constant updates. Oh, has there been any contact and this or that? Well, Brian Cashman yesterday did not sound very confident when talking about Aaron Judge and was basically setting the soft landing up in the event that the Yankees aren't able to re-sign Aaron Judge, saying, well, you know what, we haven't had any assurances from Judge's agency that we're going to have the last chance or a chance to match any offer. It was not encouraging to hear Brian Cashman, the general manager of the New York Yankees, sound like a team that was less than, a team that wasn't willing to, to go all-in on a player. Now, obviously, Cashman's made it clear that they want Aaron Judge. I mean, that is one thing that has been known. The question is, how much do they want Aaron Judge? They've already talked about, you know, not maybe not having a, a, a significant offer where you're talking about where the Giants basically said, hey, you know what, we will not be outbid. Yankees have... You know, had there there been rumblings about what the number would be, they threw out the $213 million offer. Obviously, Judge declined it, as we know by now. And you just don't get the feel that the Yankees are going to go out there and do whatever it takes to keep Judge. It shouldn't have even gotten to this point. And now that it is at this point, now they're playing with fire. They actually may be in the fire right now. And Cashman was asked about how long he could wait on Aaron Judge before pursuing other options. Uh, Cashman was saying a you know, quote that we'd like to keep him. This is according to John Morosi, here. Uh, we'd like to keep him. If we feel like we have a shot, then he's someone worth waiting for. But clearly, he's going to direct the dance tempo to his free agency, which is understandable. I mean, you're the Yankees. You dictate what goes on here. Do you want him back or not? What do you think he's waiting for? What does he not want to be here? What do you think Aaron Judge is waiting for? Money. He wants the money. I know it's early in the process and people are going to start freaking out, but come on. Cashman also did say that he's listening and engaging on multiple trade possibilities you know, during these GM meetings here. Yeah, all right, that's great. But everybody cares right now about Aaron Judge. Is he coming back? Are the Yankees going to go all in? And with Cashman, you know, trying to Soften that blow and let it go out there that, hey, this is no guarantee that we're keeping Aaron Judge. It's already different. It's different that it got to this point with the Yankees and Aaron Judge. It's different that Cashman is talking like the general manager who's about to lose a player as opposed to go out there and establish your dominance and let everybody know we're the Yankees. We're getting the highest paid player. End of story. They're the New York Yankees. Start acting like it. And I'm not even saying, although I should be saying it, I'm not even saying go get, uh, on top of it, Carlos Rodon, and go get, you know, whoever. Carlos Correa or Trey Turner would be a great fit. Go get Trey Turner. Resign Judge. Get Turner and Rodon. Call it a day. That's a Yankee offseason. I'm talking about one of your own. Aaron Judge. How do we get to a point where Cashman is scared he's scared and i'll tell you why he's scared and i'll tell you why he's letting that information out there that oh we don't know if we're gonna have a chance to match what the yankees are hoping is that aaron judge goes on this free agent tour and before he agrees to a deal because look it is very possible aaron judge visits with the giants and they say here's the check what do you want and he says i oh, don't 400 million they say, all right, well, we were thinking like 375. Okay, done. And then the Yankees don't have a chance to offer. There's a, that is, now I don't think it's likely, but that could happen. And that's what Brian Cashman is letting all of us know that we have not been assured that we will be the last stop, that they will come back to us. And Aaron Judge is putting the fear in the Yankees. Good for him. Because they didn't value him properly and still may not. But I'll tell you why he's scared. Brian Cashman is scared because I believe he knows that the Yankees aren't going to have the best financial offer to Aaron Judge. That's why I think he's scared. I think he's scared point blank of the San Francisco Giants. Now, I don't know if Judge really cares about returning home. I would think that he still wants to be a Yankee more than he would get into the idea of returning to play at home. But I don't know. Maybe that could be a factor. I do believe he wants the most money. That, I know, is going to be a factor. And I also know that Brian Cashman, by the way he's talking, by the way the Yankees have operated for the last several years, he feels like they are going to make a competitive offer. But he's nervous That another team, like the Giants, is going to out-Yankee the Yankees. Another team is going to do what the Yankees used to do. Oh, that's your player? Oh, that's nice. He had a big year, historic year. Yeah, it'd be great for the game if he stayed with you. Guess what? We have money. We're looking to spend. We're offering him a boatload. Match this. That's why Cashman is scared. And it really is. Now, remember... We are deal, uh, dealing with a an already angry fan base. They're already angry, at the Yankee fans. At specifically Cashman and Boone, but specifically Brian Cashman. Both Cashman and Boone, Yankee fans, want out. They're angry with the sweep, getting embarrassed again by the Astros. ALCS or not, they got swept. They're angry with the fact that they haven't been in the World Series since 2009. They're angry and frustrated that the Yankees have not been operating like the gold standard that we became accustomed to. They're not operating like the greatest franchise in the history of the sport. They're operating like the bronze bombers. So they're angry already. Imagine what is going to happen in the event that they lose Aaron Judge. That is going to take some time to recover from. And Cashman knows it. And I wonder if, and I'm assuming they do, but I wonder if the Yankees hierarchy knows it as well. Do they know that they maybe messed this up and should have already had Judge under contract? Or do they know that, hey, regardless of if we messed it up, we got to make up for it now, and let's just offer him, you know, whatever they feel is is going to take to get it done now. Why wait? I know the judge wants to be on and all that, but the Yankees could say, hey, we'll give you this deal, take it or leave it, 350 or 375, whatever. Right now, we want you to stay. Which is something they should have done before the year. Hey, we'll give you three hundred. We want you to forego free agency and give you three hundred. The Yankees were negotiating with Judge in the beginning of the year as if Aaron Judge had four years left on his contract, not one. They were negotiating as if he was they, as if they had the power and control. They did not. He did. All he had to do was wait a year. And not only did he do that, he obviously went and had one of the best seasons of all time. And now the Yankees are in a bad predicament. A predicament that we are not used to seeing the almighty Yankees in. Where they, in fact, may lose their star player to another team who's willing to go out there and spend a ton of money. 877 337 We also heard... From Billy Epler yesterday, I mean, talking about the confirmation of the Edwin Diaz contract. So we knew that that was going to be the case. It was uh, official yesterday. And then he started talking about the idea of the Mets DH spot. I mean, look, there was some talk about Nimo too, with this idiot Scott Boris running his mouth. And I don't know why we continue to pay attention to Scott Boris or anything that he has to say. It's the same stuff every year. The unfunny, lame, loser, stupid jokes. I can't even call them a joke. I mean, Boris himself is a joke. And I get how much money he has. I really don't care. I mean, I would rather be me and have my money than be Scott Boris and have his money. I mean, the day you catch me telling those lame jokes like that one after another, uh, put me out of my misery, please. Put me out of my misery. Embarrassing. I don't care how much money he has. That's an embarrassment. And yet these players go to him to have them represent him. uh, Nimmo can make millions of dollars anyway. You don't need Scott Boris. Come on, it's embarrassing with this guy. Year after year after year with him. The same lame, stupid jokes. Anyway, he spoke and was saying that uh, many teams or the majority of teams are are interested in Brandon Nimmo. Well, good. If Nimmo's going to get a big-time offer, let him go somewhere else. And then the Mets could actually go out there and get a star. Take that money and go get a star player. You know, we talk about DeGrom and we know the Mets are going to be interested in bringing him back. It's just a matter of at what cost and if DeGrom wants to be back, you know, the old story by now. But if Nimmo wants to go elsewhere for a bigger contract or he can get a bigger contract than the Mets are willing to pay, I'm not overpaying for Brandon Nimmo. I don't care what his OPS is or what his on-base percentages or how he, how nice he is or how hard he ro- or, you know runs down a first after a walk doesn't matter. There's got to be a line drawn where you're not overpaying for a player just because he's one of the few center fielders on the free agent market. He's not even a real center fielder. He was good defensively last year. He's not a great center fielder. He was good going back on balls. That's it. Coming in, not so much. He's not fast. Doesn't hit with a ton of power. Doesn't hit for a high average. He gives you quality of bat. He's a good character guy. Great energy. Great effort. Great personality uh, personality and character. Yeah, those are all important things. He's not worth well over $20 bucks a year. So we'll see what Brandon Nimmo could get. And if he's getting a a ridiculous offer, let him walk, and the Mets can fill in the pieces elsewhere. But Boris is just lame, regardless of who he's talking about. Conforto, Nimmo, enough with him. Anyway, Billy Epler was talking about the Mets' GM spot, and... Not GM spot. The Mets DH spot. And, you know, basically left the window open, as it should be. It's impossible right now on November 10th to start dissecting the roster and thinking about who's going to be what. Oh, is Alvarez going to come up in DH? Is he going to be the third catcher, part-time DH? But Epler did hint that they would like to keep that DH spot as a... Flexible position as opposed to having just one guy who is the DH. Now, I don't know how Daniel Vogelbach makes them flexible at all. Oh, yeah, he mashes right-handed pitching. No, no, he doesn't. He destroys right-handed pitching. No, no, he doesn't. I'm not sure... You know, why you bring him back and then say in the same breath, well, we want to keep the DH spot flexible. And maybe they just thought it was a good value. Maybe they could trade Daniel Vogelback. back. Who knows? Maybe they have him coming off the bench. Anyway, bottom line is Mets need to upgrade the DH spot. It was an embarrassment of the productivity that they got from that spot last year. Embarrassing. Shouldn't be that hard. And yet they made it difficult. And, you know, they could reference Vogelback back and Roth and whoever else is still on that roster. Oh, Vientos, that was the other one yesterday. He's talking about Roth and Vientos' options. I mean, come on, dude. Now, you can't go nuts. Because, like we said, free agency hasn't even officially begun. It will later on today, 5 p.m. And after that, then we could start going nuts. Get somebody, will you? But the Mets have some big time, you know, look, they got to figure out what's happening with DeGrom here. That's a big decision that they have to make. And if they believe DeGrom is going to return to peak form and can trust that he's going to stay healthy and wants to be here, then they're going to be paying for him. And, you know, the the reports or rumors out there are that they're not sure how many teams are going to be in on DeGrom at over $40 million a year. The Mets That's maybe one of the few. DeGrom, if he wants to get paid, may not have a choice but to come back to New York, a place he loves so much. So it's still DeGrom and Nimmo, and I would put it in that order. And I think there are some people who value Nimmo more so than DeGrom. I I just don't see it with Brandon Nimmo. I like him. I'm not going nuts for him. And then, of course, the bunch of free agents that are out there or trades that are possibilities. I mean, there's many ways that each of these teams can build their ball club going into next year. And it's been speculation to date. After 5 o'clock tonight, let's put it this way. When I'm back with you next week, we're going to probably have at least some significant rumor to react to, if not just some signings. I would think there's going to be some movement early on. Now, I'm not saying Judge or DeGrom are going to sign or even Brandon Nimmo. We'll see how long these things take. But we'll have some... Some juicy stuff to react to, whether it's Judge meeting with the Giants or DeGrom showing interest in in other teams. The fun begins after five tonight. But I don't know how you could be encouraged with anything that you heard from either GM yesterday. These are two good ball clubs, two good organizations. And yet the general managers out there, one sounds scared out of his mind that he's going to lose Aaron Judge and... Boy, I'll tell you, Brian Cashman, maybe he should hold off on signing his contract, and if Judge leaves, he should go with him or at least leave the same time as him. Maybe he doesn't have to go to the same spot that Judge is going, but leave the Yankees and go somewhere else. If the Yankees don't bring back Judge, it is going to get ugly around here. And I'm curious to know what it's going to be like, the reaction with the Mets fans. If DeGrom went elsewhere, they're going to be mad. And I know it depends, I guess, how it plays out. But still, you're never going to know 100%. DeGrom is going to say one thing and do one thing. The Mets are going to claim another, potentially, where they're going to – nobody wants to be the bad guy. But the reality is if he goes somewhere else, there's going to be a lot of blame to be placed. And I wonder if the Mets fan is going to be more angry at DeGrom or more angry at the organization. One thing that we know for sure, the Mets are going to get players. They will get players. Now, they might lose one or two, but they'll replace them. They are going to get players. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Yankees. You no, know, it sounds like they want to go with the younger guys in the infield. Maybe they make a trade with Glaber Torres. But Cashman basically said, right now, they don't have a left fielder or a right fielder. Obviously, Judge is their right fielder. If they lose him, then they got real work to do. Assuming they bring him back, they're going to try to bring back Benintendi as well. Keep, it, keep the band together. Keep it all together and make another run. Cross your fingers. Maybe this time you get lucky and be able to scratch, off, uh, scratch uh, across a couple of runs off the Astros. But I know the Mets will spend. I know the Mets will be aggressive in trying to improve their ball club. I know the Yankees are going to try to get creative. I can't say that they're going to definitively spend, especially if they bring back Judge, which, hey, maybe that might be enough for most Yankee fans. Not the old Yankees, but maybe that's enough for Yankee fans as long as they get their guy back. Your official station to talk Yankees, The Fan, 1019 FM and always live on the free Odyssey app. Download it today. on the fan 877-337-6666 is the number to call week 10 in the nfl coming up on well actually tonight it gets underway with the falcons and panthers the old nfc south rivalry between those two teams Uh, falcons had a bad loss last week a tough game but a bad loss last week nonetheless and you know jets are off this week they can enjoy their bye week as we get set to watch them when they come back in week 11 to take on the Patriots in New England. Giants back in action. They will be taking on the Texans at home and the Giants the next two weeks. you are going to have a chance to show us what they're made of and go out there and play as favorites and beat the team that you're supposed to beat. And they really can't afford a hiccup here. That Dallas game looms on Thanksgiving, which is going to be a huge matchup there. And the Giants got to take care of business in the next two weeks to get there and make that an even bigger game than it seems right now. Imagine 8-2. Giants go into that at 8-2. That's exactly what you want. No worse than 8-2. With these two games that they should win at home, Texans are, I mean, they have one win on the year. Giants got to be able to beat them. And Detroit is not very good either. I mean, they're 2-6. and six. I like the Bears actually this week. I love Justin Fields. Bears of Watt lost two in a row, and I like them to get back in the win column this week. Justin Fields just been really, really good. I don't think the Lions are that good. Well, no, I don't think the Lions aren't that good. Browns Dolphins is an interesting matchup this weekend. I mean, I guess I'll be into the Thursday night game tonight. I know, you know, I love the Falcons or whatever. Or used to love the Falcons. I guess I'll be into that. But still, that's not a great matchup um, against the Panthers, who are you know, dreadful. Falcons have a chance to win that NFC South, but the game against the Panthers, and they got to go out there and establish themselves. Um, Speaking of the NFC South, Bucs hosting the Seahawks. That is the 9.30 a.m. game on Sunday. So you have an early football game as well. Week 10, like we said, gets started tonight. Then picks back up early Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. on the NFL Network. And then you get the full slate of the 1 o'clock games. Bills-Vikings, a good matchup there. Uh, Bears, as we mentioned, hosting the Lions. Chiefs-Jaguars, no. Dolphins-Browns, interesting. Giants-Texans, eh. I mean, it's obviously the Giants, so we watch it, but that's not a good matchup. Uh, Aints and Steelers, no thank you. Broncos-Titans, eh. Colts-Raiders, the only intrigue there is to see how hard Jeff Saturday is going to flop as the Indianapolis Colts head coach. Raiders are going to get back to their winning ways in that one. Packers-Cowboys, always a good matchup, even though the Packers stink. Cardinals-Rams, again, you know, big NFC West matchup. Really, the loser of that game is probably toast, if not already. But the loser of that one is Finito. Kingsbury may get fired. And then Niners-Chargers Sunday night. And then you get a nice NFC East rivalry Monday night. Commanders and the Eagles. 877-337-6666. Daniel's calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Daniel?
1: Hey, Sal. What's going on? How's your morning, evening going?
2: Uh, It's Okay. Uh, I
1: don't know if you remember I called you last week we spoke a little bit about Zach Wilson
2: uh, I don't remember specifically if you want to refresh my memory you could if not just get to you no, Wilson. we were just
1: talking about his interceptions in the Patriots game mm-hmm. and his rookie mistakes and he needs to mature a little bit and I just want to know if you believe in miracles miracles? did you did you think going into the Jets Bills game the Jets would come out on top?
2: I did you did. I did. Well, I said it if you, I don't remember which day you called, but on Friday that was morning. Earlier in the week. Okay. On Friday morning, you know, the more I thought about it all week, Daniel, because I was reacting all week to people ripping Zach Wilson. And right, I'm, I'm right. sure then you remember me defending Zach Wilson. And the more I thought that, about it, remember, everybody was going into that Jets game. The one against the Patriots, as if that was going to be a big party, celebratory atmosphere. Finally, we're going to beat the Patriots, give them what they had coming to them after they ran up the score last year, and then the extreme disappointment. Zach Wilson was awful with the three interceptions, horrible loss. Everybody then went from the expecting euphoria and celebration to, I hate this team, they stink, get rid of Wilson, (laughs) and it's typical. Right, well, it's typical, and then everybody was thinking, well, there's no way they could win this game, and I've learned and we, sh- we should know this by now. When everybody feels like something is impossible or, to your point, a miracle needs to take place, we've seen it. Not right. that it happens every time, but, yeah, so that was what made me think that the Jets could, in fact, beat the Bills. Oh, and by the way, the biggest part of that, that they actually have the defense to be able to go out there and slow down oh Allen, which these is exactly rookies, what they did.
1: These rookies are incredible. Sauce, Darrell Wilson, um, the, the line is incredible. Which you got to give solid credit for, I guess, because he's a line coach originally you now. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the defense, yeah. I mean, look, Joe Douglas has drafted the players here, and they built a nice defense and got that turned around quickly. And the offense is going to take some time to gel, but they lose Vera Tucker, which sucks. They lose Breeze Hall, which sucks. But you still see Garrett Wilson looking like an absolute stud. Right. You saw Zach Wilson bounce back and make some big plays. So, I mean, I I mean, yeah, I think you should be excited. All we
1: needed from him was to avoid the mistakes, and that's what he did. I didn't expect him to come out, you know, and, and throw 400 yards. That's not what we need from him. We need a balanced game. Like you said, we need to run the ball well. We need our defense to make big plays, and we need him to make a big play when it counts. And he did on that third and five to Denzel Mims. He made the big play, and we won the game. That's incredible.
2: And he was making plays. You're right. He was making plays all afternoon, like you said. Not that he was dropping back 40 times and throwing for 300 yards, but he made plays all afternoon. Big one when they had to. I'm glad the Jets trusted him and threw the football there. He made the play. But you were watching the arm angles dropping, zinging the football out of there, making good decisions. Uh, I thought, now, was it his best game ever? I don't
1: understand how excited how excited it is to have the Jets be good at football. Like, this is amazing.
2: Agreed. You, <laughs> bet, you better enjoy it. I mean, we might be watching a Jets playoff game this year. Oh, my gosh. Don't toy with
1: me the dream and then take it away from me.
2: <laughs> no, well, that. you're right at this point. At this point, wouldn't it be a disaster if the Jets didn't make the postseason? Wouldn't you be yeah, crushed? Yeah,
1: probably would, but, like, it's, it's very competitive. you got the Chargers right there, Miami's right there. And then you know one or two games don't go your way, and you get into a rut, and anything can happen.
2: Well, their next four out of the bye are going to be telling, and starting with New England. If you don't want to look beyond New England, just focus no, you on got to
1: beat New England. Also, the Vikings, I think, mm-hmm. are a fraud. I don't want; they're a good team, but like they beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, but the seven and one, and going there is not going to be easy.
1: Four backup quarterbacks. They
2: beat. All right, that's fine. I don't love Minnesota I'm either. Just saying, well, I get it. Well, but you want to start counting how many backup quarterbacks the Jets beat or how many wins that you know. Oh,
1: okay. Well well well
2: that's why people were saying the Jets weren't for real
1: until this week. Oh, they went, they beat Josh Allen right. at home. He came into our building and we took care of him. Here's what you like so,
2: about the Jets though so far. Look at the Bills record in the division. You know what Buffalo is in the division? Right. Oh oh and two. Correct. Jets are two and one and if they that's one. that's why this is a big game in New England. This is not and not just be, because of Belichick has owned you, not just right, because, because the, of the
1: division standings. This
2: is huge. It's the division standings, standings overall, huge. They have. They might. Have, yeah, I mean, they might need a tiebreaker with New England to get into the postseason. Well, I, they have it, to excited. win this game.
1: I think. They, I think they're going to win that game. I'm excited. Obviously, I go into every game hoping they could win, but I'm uh, even on a realistic perspective. I think they could win that game. They're a talented team. I'm believing more and more every week.
2: You, as you should, Daniel. And thank you for the call. And good luck. Wait, to wait, your wait. Jets. One more. Yeah.
1: One more question. One more question. Go ahead. You don't mind. Um, what would you think of, like, let's say, like an intern? If someone would ask you, like, someone like me, like, I think I'm a talented guy. I think I know how to talk to people about sports, whatever. What would you think of, like, a possible internship or, like, working under you at the show? What would that process look like if that would be a possibility?
2: That's a Especially great. We were
1: talking about miracles before.
2: It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question, Daniel. And I respect you shooting your shot. I don't have any say in that. There is a process here, and I don't even believe we're allowed to. And thank you for the call, Daniel. You get back to us. Feel free to call anytime. Uh, why is that thing not hanging up? There we go. Fleas, uh, do we even have interns anymore? I think that they got rid of interns a while ago. Right? Oh, no, they brought them back. There recently. are a few in the summer that are more like company Y that will work here and at CBS Sports Radio. Okay, so there are interns. So- but there are no more interns at night on weekends. And overnight hours, which is when you and I intern. Right. It's completely changed from, geez, I mean, I'm going on 20 years since I've interned. Um, So it's completely changed from then. But the way that generally it works, you actually have to do something in broadcasting or have some kind of broadcasting schooling, whatever that may be. And then you apply for an internship, get the internship. and, And then, you know, then you get to live the dream. But I don't have specific show interns or whatever work under me. Now, if you want, you can, and you want advice on something, you can email me or tweet me and I'll get back to you and, and help you out with that. But um, I do appreciate uh, you listening. I appreciate calling and I appreciate the shooting the shot, trying to get, uh, you know, trying to make something, you know, to get into the business, I guess. They, look, put it this way if I could do it, you could do it. Figure it out. Don't take no for an answer. Doug is calling from Long Island. What's up, Doug?
3: <laughs> Sal, how we doing, kid?
2: How are you, Doug? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. You, you remember
3: when I told you I made a bet the Jets were going to win a playoff game before the Knicks won a playoff series, and you told me I was out of
2: my mind? I God, I don't. Not a doubt. I don't remember that. Yeah, get, yeah, get, yeah, get get me, give me the, the tape. Give me the tape. Yeah. Um, Wait, I said... I said that you were out of your mind for you saying that the Jets would win a playoff game
3: before. This was before. was somewhere in early last season. Because well, you know how I've been on Joe Douglas. Now, as a matter of fact, there's not a doubt in my mind. The Jets may win multiple playoff games before the Knicks even get into a playoff series. They're just such a disgrace. It's
2: embarrassing. Well, it's twofold, right? Obviously, the Jets are significantly better, but it's – uh, to me, that bet is more about the Knicks being bad because the Jets could make the playoffs this year and they might lose the first game. You never know. It's one game. The Knicks are not sniffing a post. They, the Knicks probably would be lucky to make the playoffs and there's no way they're winning a series.
3: Yeah, I mean, tonight is is just an, an utter disgrace and embarrassment. Um, you have a coach and a GM who have not been on the same page until recently, like this year. Supposedly, the best friends. You have a coach. The team refuses to play for you. Saw it tonight. This this game, as a Knicks fan, there's not much I like. Want out of this season. You know, I like to see some of the younger players develop, but the Brooklyn games, the way Katie laughs at us, the way Katie taunts us on Twitter, they turned us down. The, the state of where Brooklyn is right now, the Knicks no showing tonight. We're just, with just zero effort. And this coach can't get any effort out of this team defensively. Like to me, firing him is. It may not solve all their problems, but what is the use to having a defensive coach on a team that refuses to play defense or looks like they've never practiced playing
2: defense? So what would? And I understand what you're saying. And this is the type of game. I mean, you can't. You can't have that type of effort now. I would prefer consistency within the organization and seeing things through as opposed to ah, oh, well. Here they go. They suck again. Let's change the coach. Make that the problem because it's not going to solve anything. But what would you do? And I could, like I said, I could understand where you're coming from with Tibbs. What would you do? Just go at the, the best offensive mind that you could find?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, they'll probably have to start, you know, with Johnny Bryan as an intern. And, you know, he was from the Utah tree. He was with Will Hardy, who is in Utah. Utah was trying to tank. They dumped Mitchell, and all of a sudden, Utah now play Utah's offense. They score like 125 points a game now. It's unbelievable but to me if you're going to do anything with any of the youth on this team if you you need someone here that has to has to like you, you have to get someone in here to work with OB offensively to work with RJ offensively and I I just feel like with Tibby here we're just wasting this, these kids youth and and I'll say another thing but do you think it's man,
2: him you really think it's now I'm not saying it's not you really think it's him or the organization that is not developing these guys properly
3: it's the GM, who's not drafting the best players, it's the coach, it, it's them. And listen, I mean, I hate to, you know, revisionist history, but, you know, this is a point guard league, and I'm still not over Halliburton being passed over for Obi when you needed a point you, The year before, you drafted R.J. Barrett 30. You need to develop R.J. Barrett. The best thing to develop R.J. Barrett would, the next year was to draft him a point guard and have Halliburton be a year behind him. And they went and drafted Obi, and people could tell me all they want about what Obi did in college. and and he's you know, all of a sudden, go figure, we draft an athletic athletic forward, we thought it was gonna be a power forward and we got a three point specialist. Like
2: I just <laughs> Any A three point specialist is not even that good at shooting threes. Well, he's been the best shooter on the team, which is sad. Which yeah, is really uh, sad. no, I and know, I goes, get it. He's been better, but he's still not. He's still not a good shooter. It goes, I mean, it,
3: and it goes to the GM, who also has to go. This man has constructed a roster of bricklayers, and they are no longer the Knicks. They are the New York bricks.
2: Yeah, that's I saw your, it, I saw bricks. your tweet. It's embarrassing. Yeah,
3: it's embarrassing.
2: Uh, a roster well, uh, of bricklayers. I, I like it.
3: That's that's all they have. I mean, you know what? The first quarter, and this is what I get on Tibbs a little for tonight. The Nets are in the penalty at the nine twenty mark of the first quarter. And the Nets just the Knicks just continue to throw up jumper after jumper. They're one of the worst three-point in, three point shoots and shooting teams in the league. You know, and and the Nets are playing defense for Jacques Vaughn because he's you know, he's now the new coach and that always happens in the beginning. Right. I see this down a month from now, but how is this team not attacking the win? Like, you're getting free throws every time you get a foul for the last nine minutes of the quarter, and you continue. And they did it in the third quarter, too. They just kept shooting three after three after three, and foul they were ugly. You know, Brunson almost got a ball stuck on the backboard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it just got ugly about the minute, and it, it's it's tough to
2: watch now. Who, who it, would you, how would you rank, give me the three top players on the Knicks?
3: I mean, it's, it's obviously Brunson, Randall, and, and you know I, I hated Randall. I, I despised his whole attitude and effort last year. And, but people, like, can I? That's how bad they are defensively. When people can say whatever they want, I mean, when Durant's in the zone, nobody's stopping him. Right, of course. You know Julius, or Julius Randall gave effort
2: tonight against them, and you know I just don't see it. Like Brunson, I'm down on Randall, Brunson, Brunson, Randall, Brun- Randall and Brun- then Right, but that's the point. They're not good enough. Like none of them. They're not good enough. That's
3: why the GM has to go, too. This roster roster they constructed is embarrassing. They
2: don't have one star player, Doug. And thank you for the call. I appreciate you checking in. I guess you get to Marko. What is with this damn screen here? This touchscreen is not really working. That's the problem. Like, you mentioned, and look, I get it with Tibbs, and you can nitpick. And I think Tibbs could be a good coach. I don't know if he's the best fit with this squad. I don't know if he's the best fit right now. Maybe with a more ready team, as opposed to a younger team that's trying to develop this talent. It's Rose for picking the players, the organization for not developing developing them the right way. Tibbs, you want to get on him for not playing certain guys, or who who the hell knows like what they're if he's in sync with the front office. But ultimately, just look at the the players. I like Brunson. He's a better point guard than anything they've had in recent years. Barrett. Brunson, and Randall are their three best players by far. They barely have any depth. I mean, is a waste of time, quickly hasn't done anything. Grimes has to get healthy before he can figure out what he is. McBride doesn't play anyway. D. Rose is washed. He's just a veteran that's old, that's there. Toppin is limited in his game. He's a power forward that's great in transition, that's trying to be a three-point shooter, and he's not a very good three-point shooter despite what they said about him in college. He's not a good three-point shooter. Now, could he knock down any occasional three? Sure, but he's not a good three-point shooter. I know the difference. Reddish is useless. Like we're, we're, At least if they had a star, you say, okay, well, that's the centerpiece. Build around that. Even with Melo, as much as I didn't like Melo, he was a star player. Randall's not that guy. He's way too inconsistent. R.J. Barrett's not that guy. Way too inconsistent. Brunton's not supposed to be the star. He's supposed to be the point guard. And I think he's doing a good job at being a point guard. They need help. That's the issue. Blame everybody. But is it too soon to just fire people and start over again? Okay, picture this.
0: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.